Shachtan, an Indo Askelige. Time in Mon Irok the Yen of Chacht Erachor, Agasuligum, a Makan Shaw, Gurfeder Echor, Inuik Kart, Len of Winterfein. Skilti, Fis, Turmi. Tashe Dochretche, Nach Vetok, Ara, Igornamion, and Kestian Echo. Vien Talam again Omgrev, Orkar Nrachtum. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. Remember, you can stay up to date on the latest news with the Irish Independent WhatsApp channel. Well, with Valentine's Day around the corner, the biggest show on Netflix at the moment is called The Tinder Swindler. It tells the story of a man who cons several women out of hundreds of thousands of euro through sophisticated, elaborate, drawn-out courtships. He said there was something he wants to tell me. He said he has threats against him. He needs our cash. His life depended on me. That's when police tell me. The man I love was never real. Everything's a lie. But here in Ireland, romance scams cost victims an average of €18,000 each. So how do they happen? If you're on a dating app, what should you avoid? Well, to talk to me about this today, I'm joined, I'm delighted today, I'm joined by Dr. Nicola Fox Hamilton, cyber psychology researcher and lecturer. Nicola, the authorities say that the average is 18,000 euro, but they say it's up to 50,000 euro. And the guards gave one example of an Irish woman who was showered with expensive gifts, including scarves and perfumes, before she was asked to invest in her suitor's business. Over a 13 month period, the woman gave the romance fraudster 48,000 euro. Euro. The woman initially delayed reporting the fraud to Garthi as she was married. Is that kind of typical of a romance scam? It often is, yeah. And in the UK, they found people scammed out of anything up to £250,000. In the US, there's a woman who was scammed out of $2 million. Two you know, million? It can be a lot of money, yeah. How do you go through $2 million? I mean, maybe you're just rich and you have it. Um, I think it was maybe inheritance, something like that. But she, you know, she's actually on one of the FBI websites talking about how now she has no inheritance to leave to her children, and you know, it's it's a devastating. But despite losing that much money, for her, the most devastating part of it and the most traumatic part was the emotional aspect mm. because she had built a relationship with the person. Yeah. Did you watch the Tinder Swindler on Netflix yet? I did, of course. Yeah. I mean, I started off not having. A terrible amount of sympathy, I'm ashamed to say, for the people, the victims at the beginning. And then as the program went on, I just was absolutely gutted for them. But the sophistication of the con was extreme. I mean, the way that he managed to convince them all that he was a successful uh, diamond businessman who was a millionaire and spent so much money on them initially before then starting to ask them to max out their credit cards and take loans out to to support his lifestyle, which he would then use to con the next person. It was extraordinary. It really was. And it's not your typical romance scam. There's definitely lots of elements in common with the romance Mm. scam that you normally see. But that 
display of wealth, like with a lot of romance scams, people never actually meet the scammer. So they're talking to them by phone or text or occasionally video, but usually phone or text. And so they don't have evidence that the person actually has money. They do feel like they have a relationship, but there's no evidence of it. Yeah. These women saw the evidence that he had money. I mean, they had absolutely no reason to believe that he could not pay them back the money. So it's very easy to see how someone could fall for a scam like that. And, you know, a lot of people are engaging in a lot of victim blaming about this, that mm. they were money hungry or gold diggers. You know, they were looking for someone, a partner. They met a very attractive person who also happened to have money. Um, they were interested in him and he happened to be wealthy. And a lot of people would be seduced by that. And a lot of people maybe kid themselves that they wouldn't be, but a lot of people would be seduced by that. It's easy to be seduced by that kind of lifestyle mm. and how easy it is. Mm. I felt a little bit ashamed after watching the, the show because at the beginning, I did a very limited sympathy. The way the program was structured, they were explaining their attraction to this guy. And, you know, he was, uh, his pictures had him beside fast cars and with these expensive sunglasses on. <coughs> and my initial reaction, I'm ashamed to say, was, well, they're attracted kind of to, to the money. Um, but one of the, the great things about the documentary is it brings you along on a journey and makes you realize that that's actually a wrong attitude to have. Absolutely. And I think a lot of victims are very um, afraid to come forward and feel very ashamed that they got taken in by a scam mm. and that people will react like that. And people do. I mean, the women in the documentary talk about how people reacted on social media. And while there were lots of people that support them and feel for what they went through because it was extremely traumatic, um, there are still a lot of people at the end of the documentary who are blaming the victims mm. and saying they should have known. This is an extremely, extremely sophisticated scammer and he is not working alone. He's obviously working with other people. It's a highly involved scam. They're being presented with so much evidence to support his case. Um, it, it would be difficult not to fall for that, I think. Well, without, without giving anything away from the documentary, um, it was astonishing to me that one of the women was brought on a first date on a private jet that he had at least with uh, a woman who he said was the mother of his two-year-old child baby and the baby itself and his bodyguard. When you're presented with that kind of a uh, an environment, you are going to believe that somebody is a multimillionaire. Yeah, because it's very difficult to present that unless you are. And he was burning through millions. It mm. just wasn't his money. It was other people's money. What's a more typical example of a low-level romance scam that somebody in Ireland might come across? So they are often run by criminal gangs. Sometimes it is an individual acting alone, but often run by criminal gangs. So they have a kind of standard practice. So some of them are a little bit easier to spot if you're aware and looking out for it. Um, typically, it's a very attractive profile because, you know, there's something called a halo effect, which is basically a cognitive bias. When we see an attractive profile picture or get a positive impression of somebody right from the start, we tend to view everything more positively after that. And they want people to be attracted to it. So it'll be either a younger woman who's very attractive, maybe in a, um, a you know, economically deprived country, and that's why she can't travel. Mm. Or it'll be a man who's attractive who might be in the military or contracted abroad, oil rigs or uh, construction abroad or something like that where they can't meet easily. Um, so they don't have to meet you in person. 
and they will immediately start love bombing a person who connects with them. So they engage in this very intense, um, heightened emotional conversation. They'll try and move you off the app very, very quickly onto something private like WhatsApp or phone calls, often via text a lot, and they'll keep up communication all times of the day. They'll start by coming up with a cute nickname for you. They'll declare love very quickly. They often propose marriage quite quickly, like after a couple of weeks or a month. Um, so it's this very intense relationship. And in a way, it's a little bit like what happens with a lot of emotionally abusive relationships that start with that love bombing phase and then moves into the other very manipulative phase after that. So once they have groomed the person enough, and it is a grooming process, um, and it can last from a few weeks up to two years before they even attempt to sting the person for money. Um, but when they decide that it's involved enough and the person's ready to, um, to be stung, they will invoke some sort of crisis. And you could see that in the Tinder swindler. That was one of the things that was very similar. Something terrible happens. So it'll often involve a family member, like a child who needs to go to hospital and they need money for that. Or they want to move to your country to be with you and to marry you, but they need some sort of expenses paid or something has to go through customs or they've got to bribe somebody in the country that they're in in order to be able to do that or finish up a job, some sort of crisis where they need some money. They'll often start small. And if you pay the first small amount, then they know that you're more likely to fall for more and they'll keep pushing for bigger and bigger amounts. Um, and again, you could see that with the Tinder swindler as well. Once you pay the first bit, he moves on and keeps asking, keeps pressurizing. If someone starts to resist and think that maybe this isn't real, they can get quite abusive. They might talk about pulling back, you know, oh, if you don't want to be in this relationship, we can just stop now. And for a lot of people, they describe these relationships as the most intense and the best relationship they've ever had. Because if you think about what the scammer is doing, they're asking all the questions, they're listening like no one has ever listened before, because all they want to do is get lots of information out of you and make you feel like you're the most special person ever. So they validate everything you're saying. They reflect back lots of praise and compliments to you. They've often bought small gifts for the person. And when somebody gives you something, whether that's compliments or gifts, you feel like you need to give something back in return. Um, and that's a strong psychological pull for people. And so when they're first asked for some money, they feel like they should support the person. And at this point, they feel like they're in love. But if they do resist at all, they will get some like abuse and manipulation. And then if they pay over the, the you know, requests will get bigger and bigger. Is it mostly men who swindle women or is it 50-50? In these kind of scams, it's mostly men. It's not 50-50. Mm. They tend to target more vulnerable, typically older women. Anybody can be targeted. They tend to seek out more vulnerable people. So, you know, women who are divorced or um, widowed maybe who are looking for a, a relationship. When they go on online dating, less people get in touch with them because as men get older, they want younger women. Um, women don't want younger men and younger men aren't interested in most older women. And so they might not be getting that many hits. So when someone comes back to them and is replying, they feel very excited by that. Um, so, it, you know, they, they are vulnerable. They will also target vulnerable adults with maybe intellectual disabilities and things like that as well. Um, so they'll target anyone that they think will fall for the scam. It's pretty disgusting, isn't it? Yeah.
Yeah, I think like there's, there's two different scams. Like there's scams that target men, which are more sextortion scams. So that's mm. you know a hot woman online gets you to masturbate on camera and then tries to blackmail you. It happens quite quickly. There's no grooming process, and that's obviously extremely stressful and distressing. The romance scams are distressing and psychologically traumatic in a different way because you have two hits. So you've lost money, but you've also lost the best relationship you've ever had. Mm. And you've been, you realize how invested in it you were. And it's very difficult for a lot of victims to believe that they were scammed, that this person that they loved, that they truly believed they were going to marry was actually a scammer all along. And sometimes people have fallen for a second wave of the scam where they'll find out it's a scam. Say that the police in the UK have gone to people and said, we, we think you're being scammed by this person. And they'll get very angry and talk to the scammer about it and say, I can't believe you did this. And the scammer will say, well, originally that was what I was hired to do. You know, I live in this place. I don't have any money. This was the way to make money. But I actually fell for you and oh. I haven't been scamming you. And people have been known to go to the country to meet the person or give them more money again um, because they're so deeply involved in it. Like the, the psychological manipulation is incredibly intense in these. Um, so, so people are very, very emotionally traumatized by them. Have you heard the news? The Irish Independent has a new podcast. People used to say he's a great man to box off the ropes. Question is, why is he always on the ropes? 20 minutes, five days a week. The Indo Daily takes you beyond the headlines and into Ireland's most talked about stories. A court will ultimately decide what is truth and what is lies here. If she wins that case against him, what happens? The Indo Daily podcast named one of Apple's best new podcasts of 2021. I mean, just listening to you describe the human condition there it reminds me of what I was feeling last night when I was watching this. I'm just getting more and more depressed. I mean, at, at the, the the depths of uh, human manipulation. It's just terrible. This is terrible. This is the worst podcast we've ever done in terms of the, <laughs> the human uh, spirit. Um, Sorry. <laughs> but there are, uh, not your fault, but there are things you can do, right? I mean, there are, there are certain steps that you can take. Not that you feel that you should, but... One of the steps, for example, uh, that is advised, I think, by the Americans, they were saying that and this is something I didn't know. If you suspect something, you can try to do a reverse image search. I actually I've been writing about technology in 20 years. I didn't know you could do this. You can actually kind of drag and drop a JPEG into a Google browser and it will do a creditable job of looking uh, that face up. Now, you might not get much back, but if you're wondering whether somebody's using the correct image of themselves, you can actually uh, check to see whether that image is known and associated with somebody else. But th there's a range of stuff that, that people can do. Yeah, and people should definitely, you know, particularly if something looks a little bit too good to be true, mm. which a lot of these profiles do, um, people should try and dig a little deeper. Now, you saw with the Tinder swindler, like the women did research the person and found lots of stuff out about him. And it all looked legit because he had heavily invested in the scam um, and he had built up quite an online profile. Um, but for a lot of the scammers, that background won't be there online. Mm. And the reverse image search is very easy to do. You just download the image from the dating profile and click into the Google image search and it will find images close to it and often they've used stock photos or they've mm. taken a model's photographs or you know a profile picture from someone in the army or things like that so sometimes that can be a really useful way of doing it um 
thing, you know, it's important to watch out for those red flags that someone who gets very intense very quickly, someone who doesn't want to talk to you on the, date, on the dating app. And most importantly, and this one was particularly tricky during COVID, um, for obvious reasons, someone who won't or can't meet. So mm. after, you know, people do meet online and chat for a couple of months, but they usually find a way to meet or at least video chat. But if someone won't video chat with you at all, there is no excuse for that. And that is a huge red flag. Mm. And if someone keeps promising to meet and making plans and then calling them off at the last minute, that's another huge red flag to watch out for. Definitely. Mm. Is there any role here for the big dating apps themselves? I mean, it's a problem that we often talk about with social media companies in terms of verified accounts. Um, and by and large, while we want more honesty and truthfulness um, associated with accounts, we're not that comfortable with uploading our passport uh, to Facebook. And in the case of dating apps, it strikes me as it's almost impossible, for example, to moderate um, discussions or interactions because by their very nature, they're very personal. Is there anything that the dating apps could do, though? Um, I, I think you're right about the, the verification process being a difficult one. It's a lot to ask dating sites to manage that data. We know most companies aren't very good at managing data. Mm. It's probably going to get released. So I know I wouldn't want to upload my passport into somewhere like that. Um, they've gotten better with their reporting systems, but I think, and they've also gotten better about making people aware about them and what kind of behavior is not acceptable and so on. Um, I think that's probably the best way to deal with it. Mm. I know that like um, Tinder is engaging with a third party app that will help do background checks that are less extensive than typical police vetting, but will, you know, catch major things like sexual crimes and financial crimes and so on. Um, but you have to pay for that. But if people are encouraged and if it's promoted to report behaviors that are just odd or uncomfortable or problematic or sexual harassment, all of those smaller things, as well as the big things, you can help build a picture of what somebody's like. So if someone's being reported multiple times for making people uncomfortable in the way they mm. initially converse with them, that could help in eradicating some of the bigger problems as well. But making people feel like they shouldn't be ashamed if they get scammed, because a lot of people never tell anyone, they don't report it to the police. Um, if they've been taken for a lot of money, they might finally go to the police. But people will often realize earlier on when they've only lost a small amount and they'll feel so ashamed about it mm. that they don't want to tell anybody because they're afraid they're going to be victim blamed. And they're not wrong. You know, sometimes they are victim blamed, which is a huge problem. I think the police forces around the world have certainly, you know, come a long way as well in how to deal with this and how to approach it and have been communicating quite a lot with um, the general population in terms of what to look out for mm. and who to report it to and so on. But it's it's a difficult one to manage. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm happily married now for over 10 years. Um, but if that happened to me, I'd feel like such a fool. I, I'm not sure I would actually report unless it was for a huge amount of money and it was having a, a huge effect on uh, my life. Or I was going to, you know, miss a payment on a mortgage or something like that. I'd feel like such an idiot. Yeah. And there's no reason to. Um, yeah. Scammers are extremely good at what they do. Mm. And particularly these kind of scammers, they, you know, they pull on our human motivations for love and belonging. Um, their core needs, we, we all would like people in our life that we're strongly connected to. And one of those ways that a lot of people want to meet it is through romantic love. Mm. And 
there when you go on something like a dating site there's an anticipation of finding that and when you find someone that seems great there's an excitement that can that level of emotion that can override your rational thinking and then they engage in so much psychological manipulation um that it's very difficult not to fall for it for a lot of people so there's no shame in falling for something like that they are extremely good at what they do mm. um and i always try and emphasize that to people because people do feel like they're an idiot but it's not stupidity you know someone is deliberately setting out to trick you and it's not your fault that you've fallen for it yeah that, that's an excellent point um you, one should never become cynical in life uh, lastly i wonder whether this is more of a problem now than it was say 10 or 20 years ago I mean, there have always been uh, confidence tricksters there have always been people who've been taken in and scammed and there probably have always been uh, romance scams but there was an interesting report in the in the paper the other day saying that four out of five nightclubs in dublin have closed over the last 20 years now um, there could be lots of reasons for that mm. i would imagine that one of those contributory reasons is that dating apps have now taken over as a way to meet people and that you don't really have to go out physically to meet people as an initial approach anymore as certainly not as much as you used to but i wonder is is this something that because of human nature is just going to be part of the landscape now that we've all kind of gone over to dating apps i do think that's part of it um online dating is now the primary way that people meet um that's just the way it is it's so mm. mainstream um and i think that people got tired of going out in those kind of situations where people are drinking and so on and they find online dating opens up a wider range of people to them so there's lots of positives to it but it does give scammers access to people in a way that they didn't have before so when you used to see confidence tricksters or scammers they'd have to target each person individually they couldn't target a wide range of people all at the same mm. time by putting a profile up in a dating site you can target a lot of people simultaneously and you can run several scams all at the same time so a lot of the criminal organizations that do it run it almost like a factory where there are many people scamming many people at the same time and sometimes the victim isn't even talking to the same person all the time there's like a binder about that person and the scammer might be several people over the course of a day that talk to them so it's quite a they've almost industrialized the process they've hired uh, unethical psychologists to help them refine the process in order to target people you know it's it's taken things to a new level i think that access online and that's part of the problem with online despite its many many benefits some crimes are just so much easier to enact online because of the kind of access that you have to people and the scale that you can you can achieve it at and by the way that's before the ai bots get going on this but anyway we'll leave that yeah. for another uh, <laughs> yeah. podcast dr nicola fox hamilton cyber psychology researcher and lecturer thank you very much for joining us today on the podcast and for me adrian wechter the tech editor of the irish and sunday independent that's all we have time for this week so i'll talk to you same time next week bye-bye